0: Cast episode 465. My name is Paul Garcia and I am the host of the Spurs Cast. Joining me on episode 465 will be Tom Petrini of Project Spurs.com. You can follow Tom at RealTomPetrini on Twitter. Tom and I are going to get into an assortment of topics for, uh, regarding the Spurs recently, um, from some players that were away from their training camp roster to one of their international prospects signing overseas. We're going to get into um, a little bit of discussion about their roster, how they've played so far through the preseason now that it's about to wrap up. We'll discuss the Kawhi Leonard injury uh, and how it'll affect the team You know, as they've been playing without him. Uh, throughout this whole preseason and how they're going to kind of expect him to be back for the regular season possibly. Um, Coach Popovich also had a good quote on the three-point line. Tom and I will get into a discussion about the Spurs' Uptick in threes this season, what's projected to look like, and then of course um, we'll answer a, a number of Spurs cast questions that you all sent to us, the listeners, uh, through hashtag SpursCast on Twitter for some some topics regarding LaMarcus's Audridge Audridge's play, play in preseason and how it's going to be affected once Kawhi Leonard returns, um, how Dejounte Murray's been playing, and how and who would who would start if uh, t- Tony Parker returned, and then just a lot more of the the lineup flexibility that the Spurs have with um there are types of of different positions at at, at, on the roster with the you know rudy gay and brandon paul and all these other different players um so tom and i get into a number of topics please enjoy this conversation with tom patrini and now on the phone with me from boston massachusetts actually this is a skype call not the phone call uh is is tom patrini of projectspurs.com he's also um, writing for the boston globe as well you can follow him at twitter at real tom patrini tom how are you doing this evening
1: I'm fantastic. How are you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing very well, man. It's good to hear from you again. Uh, you know, to hear your, your thoughts on the Spurs coming up. So let's just go ahead and get into this. Um, we're going to first, Spurscast listeners, yeah. kick off with some team news uh, that just came out on Thursday when Tom and I were recording this. The Spurs have waived um, two training camp invites, which was kind of expected, Amida Brima and London a uh, point guard and a forward. Um, so their roster goes from, from 19 players down to 17. And in actuality, it's really 15 players because um, Matt Costello and Darren Hilliard uh, were on um, those two-way contract deals. So Tom, with Brima and Prantis out, do you did you kind of expect that? Did you think they had any chance of cracking the of taking Brent Forbes' 15th spot?
1: Yeah, I, I think at this point Forbes is pretty solidified at that that 15th spot. Prantis was a great player. It was UVA, right?
0: Um, yes, University of Virginia. He,
1: he was a good he was a good college player, solid college player. I liked his game a lot, but I. I really don't think at this point anybody is going to be, um, you know, unseating Forbes for that 15th roster spot.
0: Yeah, my thoughts as well. You know, unless they send some veteran that we don't know about right now, I don't think anyone's going to kind of take that spot from um, from Forbes. Uh, and we'll, we'll get more in, into Forbes a, a, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, some international news. Nikola Milatino, the Spurs' um, 2015 first round pick. Uh, he signed an extension with Olympiacos all the way through 2020. It's very similar to Adam Honga's deal, who recently signed in Spain as well, where um, he's going to have those NBA out clauses. So this, so Mil- Militinov, even though he's stuck in uh, Greece for the next three years, there's still a chance each consecutive summer the Spurs can try to pry him back and bring him to the NBA should they need him. Going over some recent uh, preseason scores, uh, Spurs-Caps listeners, the Spurs played the Sacramento Kings on um, last Friday. They beat them by 20 points, 113-93. Some standout players were Joffrey Laverne, Patty Mills, Danny Green, and Pal Gasol. Then on Sunday, they beat the Denver Nuggets by 22 points, 122-100. Some standout players were Lamarcus Aldridge, DeJounte Murray, Manu Ginobili, um, Matt Costello, Brandon Paul, and Brent Forbes. And then most recently, as of Tuesday, the Spurs lost a five-point game uh, to the Orlando Magic, 103-98. Some standout players there were DeJounte Murray, posted a 15 points, six rebounds, five assists, and three blocks. Rudy Gay, 13 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. His, his best game as the Spurs in the preseason. And then um, LaMarcus Aldridge, 16 points and four rebounds. Now, Tom, these are just preseason games, but knowing that Kawhi's not there and just knowing that I read you, like a lot of different guys that were standout players in different games, what do you think about that as far as the Spurs' depth so far?
1: I think the depth has been pretty impressive. Uh, we've got a lot of... Uh, different guys stepping up. I think some of the sophomores have been pretty impressive. Berton's, Forbes, and, and uh, DeJounte Murray all hitting big shots. I think the thing that's jumped out, you know, the, the results don't really matter in these games, but it's more how you get to these results. And in the two wins, uh, which were blowouts, the Spurs made uh, 15 threes against Sacramento and 16 threes against Denver. Uh, in the loss, they were five of sixteen from deep. So you know it kind of shows, and I know we're getting into that you know pop quote about three pointers later on, but kind of shows that the three pointer is an important shot for every team, especially the Spurs team.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, one thing also is just the the the, uh, the the roster additions of like guys like Rudy Gay. Of LaMarcus just taking more threes, a guy like Joffrey Laverne who knows how to spread out the floor. I think the personnel-wise, that's also made a big difference in the Spurs' uptick in three-point shooting. And uh, you know, Denver just you mentioned Denver there where they took a lot of threes. Um, you know, Denver's defense purposely said they were trying to kind of double Aldridge in the first half, and he just tore them up. He just started finding passers. The Spurs were making that extra pass, and those guys are getting wide-open threes, so they had to change their defensive scheme. And so you and you just mentioned you know, the numbers, how dangerous this team can be from the outside, or when they're not clicking or hitting them it, it, it kind of hampers down their offense there, like you saw against Orlando.
1: I, I think that this is the best three-point shooting team the Spurs have had in a long time. You know, Danny Green, 4-7 in that Sacramento game from deep. You know, if if he can hit that shot at a reliable clip, that was something that, you know, kind of hurt last year was his kind of inconsistency from deep. But I think it's, you know, Laverne is, an like, an excellent floor spacer at that position. Um, and if LaMarcus Alder takes more shots from deep, it's within his range. Davis Bertans, he's going to let that thing fly. I, I think it's it's shaping up to be a really good three-point shooting team.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, I, was, I was telling somebody just recently at the last game, they really have, like, three guys on the roster who aren't, like, what I would call respectable three-point shooters. And that's pretty much... they basically guys that, that defenses will back off of, and that's basically DeJounte Murray... Tony Parker, and Kyle Anderson. I mean, outside of those three, right. everybody can uh-huh. space the floor. Defenses respect, you know, everybody else on the three-point line, uh, regardless of percentage, just because they know those guys are high-volume shooters if, if they start trying that shot. Uh, moving on from the preseason, uh, let's go talk about Kawhi Leonard a little bit. He's it, He is an interesting case right now. Um, you know, as of uh, – it, it was on Sunday, you know, we, we had the media asked Pop about, you know, Kawhi's status, and he basically said there's still no timetable on him. Um, as, of th- as of Thursday, Manu Ginobili says that Kawhi still hasn't practiced with them, hasn't, hasn't run into any scrimmages. The Spurs already announced that he's going to be out for Friday's fi- final preseason game against Houston, which is still giving him close to almost a week, I mean, about, about five days off before the real season starts against the Wolves on uh, next Wednesday. But, Tom, you know, do you think they're going to kind of throw Kawhi right into the fire with, obviously, the first game of the season, since he hasn't played since basically when he got hurt in the conference finals? Or do you think they might ease him back in? Even if even if he's okay, do you think they might just ease him back in, maybe wait a game or two or
1: kind of, you know? I I think if he's if he's good to go, he's good to go. You know, it's like it wouldn't surprise me at all if they've just been extremely cautious with him to this point. Um, that's kind of par for the course with these things is, you know, like like why would they throw Kawhi Leonard out there if he's not a hundred percent or if he could not be a hundred percent in the preseason it makes no sense um so I I don't know I personally expect him to be to be ready to go for that first game but you know if they if they did if they did hold him out I would be a little concerned moving forward about his you know long-term health yeah what what are your thoughts
0: yeah I mean I I honestly for me it's just like they've kind of built this Type of you know, past playing the guys every for the first three quarters the main core players and they kind of got a good rhythm here. You know, they, they know LaMarcus is the focal point and I don't want to touch too much into the LaMarcus topic when Kawhi comes back because we're gonna have that as one of our Twitter questions for the, for the Spurs cast listeners. But I do feel like he 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 has such a huge hand in the offense that that it, it kind of does get a little bit more interesting as as far as do they just throw him in the fire right there or do they kind of let let him kind of ease himself back in. So I, I'm I'm very eager to see what the call is. Uh, next Wednesday if he does return. And we're going to save those thoughts about Lamarcus's play for a little bit later in the show. Uh, one thing that's kind of off-script that we didn't really plan for, um, ESPN had a really good article um, today, which is Thursday, uh, by Tom Haverstone and another one of their writers, and they put this cool like mathematical formula together where they looked at past MVP winners and, and pr- basically tried to pro- project the, the next MVP. And at the end of that article... It ended up having Kawhi as the favorite to win to win the MVP, one because of like the kind of stats he puts up, which are MVP caliber numbers. Uh, the Spurs are probably going to finish as a top four team if, if they do play that way, if he stays healthy. Uh, what do you think about that? About the, basically, um, you know, a big projection system saying Kawhi is probably going to be the number one favorite for the MVP this year.
1: I I think that, you know, in in other years it might be, you know, more difficult to say, but I, I think I think pretty clearly he's the MVP favorite coming into this year because the two guys that finished ahead of him uh, last year, both got all-star sidekicks uh, and Kawhi got Rudy Gay. And, you know, I, I haven't read the ESPN piece yet, but, you know, based on the numbers that Kawhi put up last year and he's only, you know, 20, 26 now, is he 25. 20 25? Yeah. Like, he's he's still got a ways to go before he reaches his peak so j- tell me a little bit about the numbers they used and, and how they kind of reached that conclusion
0: it was really cool basically they took like um, you know a lot of a lot of a collection of data and they just picked they just put a lot of past data as well into this piece where they kind of narrowed down candidates and they basically said like if you're a top four team you have a really good chance of winning it so Kawhi meets that qualification if you don't have um you know suit like all, all-star sidekicks or all nba level sidekicks you have a very good chance of winning the mvp which is obviously um, you know like you just mentioned, Harden's out of that conversation now because of Chris Paul's addition, and Russ is out of that conversation because of Carmelo Anthony and Paul George's addition. Uh, you take
1: and he's also not going to put up a triple double this year. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. And you take
1: like you know you take the Warriors
0: out with Steph and Cle- I mean, Steph and KD because they're obviously on the same team. Right. And it really comes down to LeBron. But then even LeBron, ha- they can make that case that oh, he still has Kevin Love, you know, out there and I don't think uh, Isaiah will have a good enough season because of the injury. But basically, they narrow it down in that way. They talk about a, a lot of different factors, and, and it, just, it just came out at the end of the piece that Kawhi is basically their favorite. They would pick him to be the MVP just based on this prior data because, again, he doesn't have that superstar help right now, it looks like. Uh, his team's a top-four team for sure, most likely, if they stay healthy and they they you know they play as expected. Um, and then you know if, as long as he puts up those similar type of numbers as last year, he, there's, there's kind of like no case not to argue against him.
1: Right, I, and I think I think LeBron is probably going to be his toughest competition for it this year. To be honest, because last year was was a career year for LeBron James. He was fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic. He put up career highs in I think rebounds, um, maybe maybe assists. He he went crazy. And if it wasn't for really incredible performances from Harden, Russ, and Kawhi, he would have been you know, right up there. But but yeah, I think that there's still a lot of room for Kawhi Leonard to grow, which has got to be terrifying for for the rest of the NBA. But yeah, I, I think I think he's definitely the the MVP favorite if you if you had to put money down right now.
0: Yes, I, I agree as well. You know, as long as he's healthy again, if he's healthy, um he, he should be the favorite going in. Uh, next up with the Spurs, we're going to move on to some of their versatility. As Thomas and I were just, were just talking about, about the three-point shooting. So this is a recent quote from Pop on Tuesday night uh, before they played the Magic. He says, uh, everything is about understanding it's about the rules of the league and what you have to do to win. And these days what's changed is that everybody can shoot threes. And so you have to be able to guard it, and a lot of big guys can't do that. And so you've got the flexibility and versatility and the switching and that kind of thing. And people shooting more quickly and getting more threes up, not shooting twos. And statistically, it's correct. I hate it, but statistically, it's proven. It's something you have to deal with. So, Tom, we're going to look at this in two different ways. This pop quote, because you know, I wrote this up on Project Spurs, and I was very interested by it by both from a Spurs perspective on offense, but then also on defense. Let's go to defense first, because that's probably the easiest way. San Antonio was mm-hmm. number one in guarding three last year, um, as far as like, keeping opponents' um, attempts down, the, both from the corners. Uh, I think they were they were like top ten, and then also um, from above the break threes. So defensively, do you think they still have that, you know, as long as everybody's healthy, they still have that wing and, um, and those bigs that can kind of step out to the three-point line and play good defense on there out there?
1: I think, um, you know, Bertans has been, I think, fantastic guarding pretty much all over, but especially contesting at that three-point arc. Um, the one question mark for me for the bigs is Gasol because, like, I, I'm having flashbacks now to him – like closing out with an exasperated look on his face and just getting a three drilled right in his face uh, in that that series against the Warriors. Yeah, uh, it, it, felt, it felt like that happened a lot. Um, and you know he's he's old and large and slow at this point. Um, so it's that that is kind of the one weak point for me. But I think the the rest of the personnel is pretty well equipped to to defend that three point line.
0: And, and that was actually something I thought about, you know, when I was listening to pop say that, like I'll, I'll read just quote, just to that one part. And so you have to be able to guard it. And a lot of big guys can't do that. That's what my, kind of made me think is like, yeah, why did they give Gasol 48 million? You know, <laughs> that was like the one part, right? I know, I know obviously against certain matchups, like you mentioned the Warriors, the Rockets, you know, some of these three point shooting teams, they're going to probably take him out and he's not going to play a lot of, a lot of minutes, but that's kind of where it goes back to. Why did you build your team still with that then
1: big man? Well, player? I'm, and I, I think part of that is the flip side of that coin, which is that Pau Gasol has become one of the best three-point shooting centers mm-hmm. in in the league. Really, um, you know, his his percentage last year was off the charts, and he was doing it pretty much all in the flow of the offense on catch and shoot looks. Um, he got he got really really efficient at that. So while well, he probably gave up a lot of attempts. He was also standing in that corner drilling shots.
0: That, that's actually a very good way to look at it. I'm going to start. That, that's actually pretty good right there. It's like basically the, I'm going to look at that kind of I'm going to keep an eye on that this season is the amount of threes he gives up on defense. Let's look at the ones he makes up for on offense. And that's a, that's a good mathematical formula to look yep. at you know, as far as like a plus minus kind of system. Um, now looking at the Spurs on offense with the same quote. You know, Pop says, "Got to get more threes up. I'm um, not shooting twos, and statistically, it's correct. I hate it, but it's still it's, it's correct." Now, the Spurs do have some mid-range guys. You know, they were uh, in, in that piece about uh, Pop's quote. I wrote that they were third in points from the mid-range last year in the NBA. And obviously, Lamarcus Aldridge is a mid-range shooter. Tony Parker, Kawhi Leonard are notable mid-range shooters. And then also, um you know, right now he's he's our starting point guard. So Dejounte Murray goes more for the mid-range than he does the three-point shot. So do you think some of their players who are their, their top mid range guys will change their game or kind of sacrifice some shots to either go layup or three?
1: I think the guy that I'm looking at most in this category is absolutely LaMarcus Aldridge Mm -hmm. because um, you know, he has shown the ability in the past to step out and hit that shot. And when you think about it, it makes sense because you know, he's already got that range. He has a wet jumper and you know, it, it makes sense for him to step out and hit that. In his last year in Portland oh well, let me get the let me get the total stats up.
0: Go ahead. I'm gonna um, okay, go
1: Yeah, he he was attempting just about one and a half threes per game, uh his last year in Portland. And then his first year with the Spurs, I think he shot sixteen all year and missed all of them.
0: Yeah, I remember that. He had a lower um, percentage for the season in the playoffs he made, so I think
1: yeah so so I think he kind of took a step back in just attempting them um but that year in Portland had been his highest career total uh and he kind of got back to it last year and shouted a pretty reasonable clip. I think if you take that own sixteen out, he's been around like in in his last year in Portland and the last year in San Antonio, it's like thirty nine percent from yeah. three yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's fantastic for yeah. especially for a guy his size so yeah. I'm definitely watching how many threes he takes a game this year. And,
0: and I think, you know, it's obviously just preseason, but he's he's shown that he's he's willing to do that because, uh, you know, just just I'm just thinking back to Tuesday, his first pick and pop around with Danny Green. He didn't shoot a mid-range shot. He shot a three-pointer. He, he actually stepped right. out there in almost every game. Now he's taking about three um, threes per game in the, in the preseason. He On spot-up action, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he is standing out there to kind of space out the offense like you mentioned. And, and one, one quote that really stuck with me from, from training camp was that he says he said, uh, Pop told me to go home and work on threes. Like Pop specifically told me, mm-hmm. this is what we have to do. And I think you're right as well. I think that you know Parker's still going to shoot the mid range, still a shot. Uh, you know Murray's still going to try to get to the rack more than shoot that mid range. It's more of a last right. attempt. Kawhi is just so good at the mid that you kind of you, you kind of take what he gives you in that in that one on one situation, that isolation type play. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think Aldridge is the guy to watch here with uh, the improvement in the three point shooting and of course with the entire roster as well.
1: And I think it's also important to watch the type of three point shots that these guys take um you know i've been i've been watching a lot of film on davis bertons and it seemed like all but one or two of the threes that he hit last year were catch and shoot looks that he caught sometimes 2 or f- or 5 feet behind that three point arc and he just lined up and drilled it uh and it's a lot of shots that come in the flow of the offense when guys that have the ability to to step out and hit that shot step out and space the floor and make room for the other guys. Cause when Lamarcus Aldridge is, you know, posting up at the elbow, there there's no room for, for Kawhi Leonard to, you know, do anything off the ball really. Cause uh, on that side of the floor, at least because there's, you know, too much going on. But if he steps out for that three, it gives a lot more room for, for cutting action in the middle.
0: Yeah, uh, I, no, I totally agree. So let's uh, let, keep, keep an eye on that last part of it, how you were talking about how Kawhi just think off the ball and Aldridge has it. Let's go into our Twitter questions. Um, so this is a Twitter question segment of the Spurscast where we ask you all uh, to go on Twitter, use the hashtag Spurscast, and send us some, some of your, your questions that you had on your mind. Um, and so thank you all for those of you that, that sent the questions. I'm going to read through your Twitter handle and then go to your question, and Tom, and I'll Tom, I'll let you answer first, and then uh, I'll get my response as well. Okay, so our first sure. question comes from... At insomniac underscore games they write now that pop is restructuring the offense to make Aldridge more more of a focal point how do you think this will affect Hawaii's game go ahead and take that
1: I honestly think that um you know if they run it, it depends entirely on how they change the system to to better use Aldridge I think they should use more um Three, four pick and rolls with him and Kawhi. I think that's kind of deadly, especially if Aldridge is hit, stepping out and hitting that three, kind of giving every possible option to that defense. Um, I think that's an area where there could, they could be extremely effective. I also think that, um, you know, with Aldridge stepping out to hit that shot, Kawhi is going to have more room to operate inside the paint and kind of get after it down there what about you
0: I you know that that's that's part of it as well I think that they definitely need to do more more um three four pick and rolls like you mentioned And something that works that way too is that if the wing defender switches you know just switches they could easily post Aldridge up and and, you know Kawhi can just give him the ball down at the post and you know space him out a little bit um I I I do I do hear a lot from the players and the coaches um, that they want to make Aldridge basically happy in the beginning kind of get him comfortable early in the game so I think that Kawhi is going to kind of sacrifice a little bit as far as like Getting Aldridge going that first quarter, in his first six minutes of the game, kind of getting him into a you know a nice little groove that way he can take over from you know mid mid first quarter and then throughout the game and not worry about Aldridge. You know Aldridge already in a rhythm, uh, and and off the ball you're, you're seeing some you know I wrote a piece on Project Spurs how they're, they're like they're tinkering with the offense a little bit X's and O's wise uh, X's and O's wise wise um, to get Aldridge more like pin down screens, get him get him more action where he has space to create both off the dribble. Uh, both in the post up, and I think you know, and there's some weak side action going on now, and I think Kawhi's gonna, you know, definitely give him that space. And then you're right, you know, when Kawhi has those one on one opportunities or those isolations, he uh, Aldridge spacing out as long as he's standing on that three point line and, he, and he's a threat, it's gonna it's gonna make Kawhi's job a lot easier. And plus, you know, he's gonna get him some open spot up looks. So, so I'm interested to see how this goes. You know, it, it's more it, for me, it feels like it's more on Kawhi, like you know, he's got to kind of keep Lamarcus involved and not not go back to just you know, it, I, I'm the only guy that can kind of score on this team kind of mentality, that's what it looked like in the playoffs at times.
1: I think what you said earlier with um, the idea of getting Aldridge going early, because Kawhi's going to get buckets. We know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And it, whenever the team needs Kawhi to get buckets, he will go and do that. Um, but, you know, Aldridge is a shooter, and it, it certainly helps shooters like him to see that ball go through the net a couple times early. And so if the Spurs can get him going early and then he's just consistent and in a zone for the rest of the game, That they just need him to be a threat, really. And if they establish that threat early and get him in a groove, that's going to be the best way for him to be effective. The problem with that is if, you know, they feed him early and it's clang, clang, clang.
0: Yeah, that's because they are just wasting possessions there, basically. Um, right. One thing I will say, that's per- this is just a numbers thing that's interesting. You know, I just pulled this up before we started recording. Is last year in the regular season, look, Kawhi's usage percentage was 31.2%. Lamarcus's was 24.9%. Right now in the preseason, Lamarcus's usage is 25.9. So it's basically one point, uh, one point up from last year from what his usage percentage was last year. So so it, mathematically, it looks like he's obviously getting just a, a little bit more offense to him. But you know he's playing very efficient right now. So I think that if he continues this way, you know as long as they keep feeding him early in the, in the game again, that that might be okay. It looks like.
1: Right. And, you know, I, I think so much of it is just not forcing it. He needs to kind of understand his place in the offense and when it's best for him to, to pull that trigger. And, you know, it's it's a feel thing. It's so much a feel thing with him. Mm-hmm. You know, some sometimes he can bully the guy that's guarding and take it to the bucket consecutive possessions. Sometimes that jumper is just on and he's feeling it. And so I think... If we're if we're gonna have Dejounte Murray as as the starting point guard for at least the first month or two of the season, um, you know it's gonna be a lot on him to kind of read that rhythm and feed him in positions that he's gonna be successful on on that night.
0: Yeah, and that's also something you know right there. That mentioning Murray, but also just the, the rest of the pl- the players. Danny's mentioned this. Uh, Montez always mentioned this. Where their first instinct right now in the preseason is to kind of look for Lamarcus in the low block. Uh, Michael Wright of ESPN had a piece where he talked to Aldridge um, you know, during training camp, and Aldridge says that you know it, it's his goal right now to to kind of uh, fight there and get get into a good position in the low block, and that way he's ready for for the recipient. He says the last year he didn't quite hustle on every single play, and so if he does that, I think it makes it easier for the guys to kind of see him, read him first, and see if he has that mismatch or that or that 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 position in the low block. Right. Okay. Moving on with our Twitter questions, Uh, this next one comes from at Mr. 1980 He asks, do you think the Spurs have the best bench in the NBA? Now, before you answer this, Tom, let me just read you some some numbers. Um, Last year, according to HoopStats.com, that's a a website I like to use for some bench data, uh, the Spurs had an efficiency recap difference of plus 11.8. So it's obviously like their offense minus their defense as a bench. And that was number one in the NBA. So we can say statistically they were the best bench last year in the NBA. So do you think that they still have the best bench coming in?
1: I mean, it's, it's a deep bench. When you, when you really look at it, um, you've got Rudy Gay probably will be coming off the bench. Uh, like, what do you, what do you think the starting lineup is going to be? Oh for game yeah.
0: One? No, he he's for game one, whether Kawhi plays or not, I think it's Kawhi at the three and or Kyle Anderson at the three and Rudy Gay's coming off the bench pop. Pop's actually been experimenting with Patty, uh, Manu, Rudy Gay, Bertans and Laverne all as I like guess, uh, Bill, Bill Shoney, the Spurs radio guy, he's calling them the global gang. So, I mean, that's pretty, it looks like that's their, yeah, that, their, their, their
1: back 10, their back that's that's the bench unit. That's that's pretty ridiculous. That could be a starting five in a lot of cities in this in this league. In the entire
0: um,
1: conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That w- that's the eight seed in the East. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think um, you have to look at Cleveland and the moves that they've made this off season. Um, you know, Jay Crowder, Derrick Rose when it gets healthy, um, J.R. Smith, on Schumpert. Tristan Thompson going to be coming off the bench. That to me is, is probably the deepest bench um, in, in the league right now. But if you're, if you're talking about, you know, when, when it gets to the playoffs and in the, in the regular season, I think this, this Spurs team, the Spurs bench is going to be fantastic. and, that's where a lot of these games are going to be won, is just the, the bench advantage. Um, but there are some kind of question marks as we move towards the postseason when the rotation gets shorter. And it's like, who are the one or two guys that are stepping up regularly for the team?
0: Yeah, I know that, that, that they had trouble with, especially even against Houston last year. Um, before all the injuries started happening against Golden State, uh, you know, out west, I think some of the some of the tough benches still though are like the Warriors they added Nick Young and Omri Casby. and then also something to mm-hmm. watch is, is the way that these these like superstar teams are going to stagger minutes now. You know, Golden State can constantly have two all stars on the floor. Um, Houston can now play like a second unit with either Chris Paul or James Harden, whoever they want. OKC can run an offense through Carmelo or Paul George. You know, right. and even even the Spurs might go to get some stuff through through Rudy Gay and or through Lamarcus. that, You know, uh, myself and. And uh, Jeff McDonald, one of the, the Express News writer, we were talking about that after the, the last game, was like maybe they give Lamarcus more more minutes with uh, the second unit, so that way that that kind of gives makes him still the focal point on, on offense, but also lets him you know still be a starter and you know kind of kind of do more staggering of the minutes there.
1: Right, and I I think you kind of touched on it where it's not necessarily the bench, but it's who's playing with the bench. Exactly. And and what bench players can play with the starters. I think, um, like. Patty Mills, for me, is is a good sleeper pick for six man of the year because the way he fits in with the offense when Kawhi is dominating with the ball in his hands um, is is picture perfect, and he's been really growing with Kawhi uh, as as kind of a perfect off ball counterpart. So, I think he'll be the sixth <coughs> Excuse me, the six man on this team, and could be the sixth man of the year
0: no yeah I, I think that's definitely a position for patty um last you know last year he got, i think he did get some, some of those votes there uh moving on to the, to the next question it, it, it concerns kyle anderson uh, this is from at giant steps they ask how big of a role do you see for anderson this season and anderson's in an in interesting position because with the addition of rudy gate it, it basically he got bumped down the depth chart and i feel like for me he's kind of um kind of competing with Bertans and Rudy Gay for minutes. What what do you think about Kyle's role this season?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for him uh, to find minutes because, as you touched on earlier in the show, he's one of the guys, one of the few guys on this team that the defense can sag off of uh, for that three-pointer. And, you know, there, there was a quote about him a while back, a quote from him. Uh, that you know he didn't really have a position. He's just a baller, and I love that. Um, but where do you put him? You know, you you kind of have to <coughs> you have you have to put him at the three or the four. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to be on the depth chart behind probably behind Bertons because Bertons is you know more athletic and versatile defensively and a better shooter and. Um, I think just brings more that the team needs. Um, and while Kyle Anderson is a fine basketball player, I just don't really see how he fits with this group of personnel.
0: Yeah, and you know, even the addition of Gay, you, you know that during the course, they won't start this way, but during the course of a game, especially in crunch time of any game, Pop's going to have Rudy Gay and Kawhi on the floor at the same time. And, and yeah. that kind of just that right there uh, takes away minutes from Bertans. And again, that goes even further where it takes minutes from Kyle. So uh, if, if the team's fully healthy for a night, it's going to be really tough for Anderson to get consistent minutes unless, you know, somebody's either injured or there's, it's like a rest game where pop doesn't want to you know play the veterans too much.
1: I think uh, this is something to keep an eye on uh, this in the early part of the season. I think we're going to see more of Kawhi Leonard at the two.
0: Ah, okay. Um, That's actually a question we're going to get to later in the show.
1: Yeah. Well, We'll save it for then if, that, if that's the case. But yeah, that's that's something I'm keeping an eye on. Oh, ah,
0: okay, okay. I haven't thought that one. Okay, let's continue. Um, let's go into. Let's talk about Dejounte Murray a little bit. Um, sure. This is from at Giant Steps. Uh, they ask, "Have you seen enough from Dejounte to feel comfortable with him starting? If not, what would you like <clears throat> to see from him?"
1: So, um, I've seen enough from him to be comfortable with him starting over Patty mills. Um, and as great as Patty has been for this team, as consistent as he's been, um, the main thing for me is just defensively. Murray is like impossible to pass the ball around because his arms are so long. It's ridiculous. Um, (coughs) he's, he's, he's got the tools to be a really good defender and he, um, you know, has really been bringing it on that end of the floor. And I think because, you know, if he'll be in the starting lineup, that's going to be one of his main jobs is not, you know, create the offense. Cause that's going to be Kawhi and LaMarcus, and he'll be facilitating that and getting his buckets along the way. But I think his focus is really going to be defensively. Um, and so for that reason, I'm um, um, confident in him, Uh, as a starter
0: yeah I mean I'm comfortable as well with him just because you know he he's obviously trying to figure it out as a starting point guard of balancing when do I do do I just get Aldridge the ball here or get caught the ball here and then you know when do I get a little bit more aggressive in the open court and attack the rim you know and so that's kind of his his balance here and he's he's doing okay with it you know he's not turning the ball over at a a high rate he's not fouling a lot as you mentioned the only reason why he's playing right now is because Pop really believes in that defensive ability um, and, and Manu was just like, you know, uh, the other day on Tuesday, he talked about how when Kawhi's healthy, it's going to you're going to have Danny Green, Murray and Kawhi out there. And that's just a very suffocating defense. Manu says that his, his lane just pesters you as an opponent. It, it kind of gets on your nerves. It's annoying. That, that was a word he used. So I think that as long as he, he can, keeps putting energy and effort into the defensive end, Pop's going to keep playing him. Um, and as long as he kind of keeps his turnovers down, you know, he's a young player. He's going to turn the ball. Over. Yeah, but as long that's as not, the main like, thing. You know, Mm-hmm. Two two is pretty think, good for a game. Just not anything but above like three or four. That's
1: too many. I think I think last year he averaged, I think it was around four and a half per thirty six, uh, and around like five and a half assists. And so that wasn't great. Um, that that was definitely an area for improvement for him. Um, but if he can keep those turnover numbers low this year, and you know, say say he gets. Ten points, five assists, two or three turnovers a game, and adds like five rebounds, and plays really good defense. That'll be a solid sophomore season for him, and he'll be really contributing to this team.
0: And that's probably the most underrated part of his game. Is like honestly, in these preseason games, continually you see Murray four rebounds, five rebounds, six rebounds. Those those rebound numbers are stuff that even Tony Parker couldn't pull down, and you know, in his prime. So so he definitely brings it both on the glass and on the defensive end, as you mentioned. Um, as an addition,
1: and, so. and when he gets a rebound, when he finishes a defensive possession with either a rebound, a block, a steal, whatever it is, his head's up, he's flying yes. down the court making a play. Um, and I think that's probably the most dangerous thing about him. Um, and you know, I, I wouldn't be so bold as to compare him to Kawhi Leonard, but you know, in that sort of way that it's a one man fast break. And he can be extremely disruptive because of his size.
0: Yeah, that, that was definitely a skill as well that you see on the stat sheet every night is, is the blocks as well. He's increasing those with his length. Um, you know, De'Aaron Fox in the first game against Sacramento had, kind of had his way with Murray where, you know, kind of kind of blew by him a few times. But then that second game in San Antonio, Murray had like two blocks on him um, and really bothered him with his length.
1: Uh, Murray blocked getting... Trevor Ariza under the basket last year. Like, like well, he's, he's getting up there and stuffing yeah. big guys.
0: Yeah. So, no, he's got, he's got a lot of potential and, and you can just kind of see how giddy Manu was when he was saying that. Like, can you imagine when this kid like fills out and like figures it out? Like he's going yeah. to gonna be on the wing. Uh, mm-hmm. stay, with, stay with Murray here. Uh, this next question comes from at Trevor Wrights. He was one of our former project Spurs writers, uh, Trevor Zikref. Uh He says, he asked what happens if DeJounte and Patty are both playing really good for two months and then Tony Parker comes back? How do the minutes distribute?
1: That's a good question. Um, yeah. I, I think that um, Tony Parker probably should have moved to the bench last year, um, and I think he definitely uh, should be a a bench player. I I can't see him coming back from this injury better than where he was last year, and I think he would be he would need to be better than where he was last year to merit. The, the starting role. I mean Murray is the point guard of the future. If he gets into a groove with this starting lineup, I I don't think it would be like Popovich to kind of disrupt that. And I think after this injury, Parker might be realizing that it's time to take a step back and, you know, slip into that Manu role.
0: As a, okay. And and this see this is interesting because I, I, I obviously think that the, even if he's 100% healthy, they're not just going to put him back in the starting lineup. He kind of has to right. work his way in there. It's going to take a few weeks, maybe a month. Um, and, and Murray, like, like you know, if, if Murray's playing well, I don't even know how, how Parker has to just show to Pop, like, hey, I still deserve that role. I think it's something he has to beat him out for that role. Now, the, the bench part even gets interesting because of Patty. You know, Patty is a good um, player for that second unit. Like you mentioned, he's a three-point shooting guy. He gets that bench going with his energy. He plays good defense, you know, for his size. And Parker would almost seem like, you know, that bench unit, you know, we say they have all shooters and everything like that. It's like one through five, they're all shooters on that bench unit. But then Parker's kind of like a Kyle Anderson where defenses may not respect him as much. Uh, He plays a little bit more of a slower game, kind of brings the ball up, um, doesn't have that speed burst anymore to just constantly, you know, be be, be really hectic in the open court. And he likes to run a lot of pick and roll action. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of perplexed. I think one thing you would see though, let's just say all three are healthy and Parker's playing well too. I think you would see Mm DeJounte and Patty get some minutes at the wing spots uh, or DeJounte specifically at at the two and maybe even the three. And then Patty can also move up to the, to the two as well to get some minutes where where pop would kind of try to figure it out. And then, you know, come playoff, if they're all healthy, pop just has to go with his best two.
1: There, there was a, before Parker got hurt in the playoffs last year, um, the best two man combination that the Spurs put out there was Patty Mills and Tony Parker. They played really well together. Um, and it's because Tony Parker is more that traditional point guard. Um, I don't think we'll see Tony Parker and DeJounte Murray on the floor at the same time a lot. I think we'll, we will see more DeJounte or Tony Parker sharing the floor with Patty Mills.
0: Yes, I, I could see that. Definitely. Um, the, the next question is from at RX um, Pat 13. This is kind of, we, we kind of just answered this question, but I just read it. It says, uh, if Murray plays a starter, well, could there be a potential problem? Can you see Parker coming off the bench? You kind of said that. You, you think that it's time for Tony to, Tony to transition to the bench. And and what I'm saying right now is I think that Tony has to show that he's playing better than Murray to, for Pop to give him back that starting job. I think that he needs to prove right. it now. We're at that point where he's going to have to prove it uh, should, should Murray be playing well. And I uh, think next, he'll
1: have to prove it defensively, and I don't think he'll be able to do that. Yeah, 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 that's Murray, the main thing
0: hmm Especially if Murray's, you know, a monster on defense, as far as like, you know, really limiting people, being annoying, like Manu said, that that's hard for Parker to do that because he he that's just something he can't do at this point of his career. Right. Um. Next question is from at RX uh, Pat Thirteen, same person. Uh, they ask, do you think the lineup of Kawhi at the two and Gay at the three is possible? So you were kind of you're going to mention this already. So go ahead and give me your uh, yeah your thoughts on Kawhi at the two. I think that might
1: be a thing. All see. right. So check it out. Patty at uh, point guard. Mm-hmm. and then you've got Kawhi Leonard at two, Rudy Gay at three, Davis Bertans at the four, LaMarcus Aldridge at the five. How's that sound?
0: Yeah, that sounds good. Yep. They can switch everything, one through five. Um, I, I had already been thinking about this question, and I, I thought for sure Bertans needs to beat your guy at the four or Kyle Anderson, and then uh, Aldridge at the guy at the five. Powell can't play with that group.
1: Right. Yeah, it's going to be too quick, um, and they're going to need to be able to switch everything. But, yeah, I – the the players that I would co- compare Kawhi to, especially offensively, um, you know he's he's been playing closer to, like a Kobe, um, like like a pure scoring shooting guard and one of the best. Um, I think, uh, you know, six seven his wingspan at the two. There's there's not that yeah that's that's pretty terrifying who's who's guarding him who's guarding that lineup and I I, I honestly don't know
0: yeah and and you know I was just thinking about this just for the defensive impact you could even slide in Danny Green at Patty's spot and just have Kawhi Kawhi or Gay bring it be the focal points on offense as far as dribbling the ball up kind of initiate the sets you have Danny Green Kawhi Rudy Gay Bertens or Kyle Anderson and Alders that that that's dangerous right there you know especially with two ball handlers in Kawhi and Gay where where they can always run a pick and roll at any time. You can post up Aldridge, and all three of those guys shoot um, shoot the three. That that you know, so I think what we're seeing here is that the Spurs have a lot of different lineup possibilities. And, and now positionless
1: basketball, baby. Yeah.
0: Yep, and Pop's making that change, and you know, that's that's gonna be interesting to see if Kawhi and Gay are on the floor. And it's not that at the three four like everyone thinks, what if it is at the two three? And yeah, you know, we'll see. That
1: that would be that would be basketball porn. I could already tell that okay. would be basketball porn.
0: Our, our last uh, Spurs Twitter question comes from at Spurs in the six. They ask, will the hashtag summer of Brent continue? So back in the uh, summer, summer league, Brent, Brent Forza's little hashtag going on the Twitter called hashtag summer of Brent. Cause he was playing so well, he's scoring like 30 points a game in the summer league. And now yeah. in the preseason, he just had 20 the other night. He dropped like like 14 the other day, just quickly, like in two quarters. What do you think um, Tom about Brent? You know, how, how much do you, do you think he's still going to have get any minutes, especially with everybody coming back now for the row season?
1: That kid gets buckets, man. That's one like, that's one thing that, on a basketball team, if you if you can do that one thing, you'll you pretty much have a spot. And I I think, I think he's gonna make the most of the opportunities he gets this year. Um, last year, surprisingly, um, you know, among among the rookies. He actually shot the lowest uh, three-point percentage, but that's mm-hmm. something that he's been, you know, kind of. Imp- it's, it's the trademark of his game, um, and he's been improving that percentage. He's been shooting a great percentage in the in the preseason. I'm not sure what it is, but I, I think he's, no, he, you know, he's lights um, out right now. It, it's above. It's unsustainable, is what it is. Um, but if he can come in and hit like 40%, he's he's a great shot maker like in a way that not a lot of other guys on this team are like outside of Patty Mills or Kawhi Leonard. I don't know if there's anybody that I trust more on like a pull up three than Bryn Forbes. Um, so I, I think he's going to continue to perform well when given the opportunity. I just don't know how much opportunity he's going to get.
0: And I think the biggest thing this did for pops, trust in him, you know, it's it, it, his minutes are only going to come when it's a blowout when, um, you know, somebody somebody gets hurt or there's rest at the guard spots. But I think that what he showed Pop was that he can handle both the point and the two because he, he played both positions yep. for Pop throughout the, the preseason. He's excelled in both of them. So he's obviously not going to be Patty or DeJounte or Parker for their spots. Well, maybe Parker when, when if he doesn't come back fully healthy here. But I think that, you know, in the, in the minutes he's going to get those opportunities, they're going to keep him. And even past that January 10th day when his contract becomes fully guaranteed, I think he'll stay on the roster past then. I think the only per- person that would take a roster spot from him would be like in the buyout market and come March. Uh, if there's like a like some notable veteran that that Pop would really want on the team. Outside of that, I think Bryn's gonna stick around for the season, and he, like you're you're right, I think he will make the most of his opportunities when he does play. Um, right. uh, just going through the what's up next for the Spurs' schedule. They they play uh, their final preseason game, which is the, the day that this Spurs cast is going up Friday at Houston, 7:30 um, Central Standard Time. For a lot of Spurs fans, I know they haven't been able to watch the games because they haven't been televised, but you can watch that one finally on TNT. It'll be on TNT. Uh, now Tom and I are going to just go through the uh, the first actual regular season game for the Spurs, which is against the, the home opener, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. We're going to play like a little game called Who Do You Got? So what I'm going to do, um, Spurs cast listeners, is I'm going to name off the, basically the, the core ten guys for each team expected to play uh, in this game next Wednesday. And Tom's just going to tell me, you know, who, who would you take at that, at that position for, for right now? So here we go, Tom. Um, DeJounte Murray or Jeff T for your point guard?
1: Uh, I would take DeJounte Murray at this point.
0: Okay, that that's an interesting one because you know I feel like Jeff's a little bit more, especially just for the first game of the season, he's a little bit more of a complete player. He's uh,
1: he's like, seasoned. He's yeah. he's more seasoned, um, and he'll he'll probably put up better numbers. But I I like the defense of Murray better.
0: Okay, um, I, I'll probably take Murray midway through the year, like once he's already got a few games. Yeah. In that, in that matchup. Okay, next one is uh, at the two, Danny Green or Jimmy Butler.
1: Yeah, I gotta go, Jimmy Buckets. Yeah, Sorry, Danny.
0: All star. Uh, okay, we're the the, the threes and we're gonna do two options for the three. Let's say Kawhi's healthy. So Kawhi or Andrew Wiggins.
1: Uh, obviously Kawhi. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, now let's say he's not healthy. Kyle Anderson or Andrew Wiggins.
1: Obviously Andrew Wiggins.
0: Yeah, <laughs> some of these are pretty. Okay, uh, the four: Lamarcus Aldridge, Todd Gibson.
1: Lamarcus Aldridge. <laughs> Five, Paul George and Karl Car- Anthony Towns. Hmm. Uh. I'll have to go with Kat. Uh, Yeah, final answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those are pretty easy. Uh,
0: Patty Mills off the bench now. Patty Mills or Tyus Jones? Patty. Manu Ginobili or Jamal Crawford?
1: Ooh, some gray beards. Hmm. I I love Jamal Crawford, uh, but Manu is still out here doing things that no man that old should be able to do. Uh, So I'm going to go Manu.
0: Yeah, I think Manu still impacts the game in more ways than just scoring. He does assists, defense. Yep. There's a lot of things he does that Jamal doesn't do at this stage. Okay, um, the three backup, uh, Rudy Gay or Shabazz Muhammad?
1: Yeah, that's Rudy Gay.
0: Okay. Uh, the four, Davis Bertens or Nemanja Belitsa?
1: Oh, man. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about the other guy's game? or, or is Basically,
0: that... he's almost like Bertens. He's like a taller, slower Bertens. Shoots the three very well, spaces out the floor. Can do a little bit of post-dust, but not not totally not totally that great at it kind of a score
1: spacer shooting big okay i'll i'll, I'll probably go burton's on that one
0: okay and last one uh joffrey laverne or gorgie dang
1: Ooh, i i actually really like gorgie dang's uh, athleticism and uh you know the way he defends the rim um La- laverne's a really good player but i would go with jang on that one
0: okay um, now this is let's go we're gonna go through just a, a, a opening game prediction. Um, let's say Kawhi Leonard does play. So who wins Spurs or Wolves opening night? Uh,
1: where is it? It's in San Antonio. Yeah, Spurs by uh, 15 if Kawhi plays, and then uh, Spurs by seven if he doesn't.
0: Okay, yeah, mine my, my my were both the same, kind of in that same area. I would go with Spurs by like 12 in the first game if, if he does play, just because it's going to be a little bit of a rough start for him to get back into it. And then right. if he doesn't play, I'd say somewhere, something a little bit closer, like Spurs by like 6 or 5, somewhere around there. Right. All right, cool. Um. Th- uh. Thanks, Tom, for, for coming on the Cast, episode 465. Um. Where can they find you on Twitter?
1: At RealTom Petrini. Awesome, thanks, dude. Thank you very much. Have a going?
0: Before I head out, just wanted to, to again, um, remind you of some of the things going on over at ProjectSpurs.com. If you visit the site, uh, Benjamin Bornstein has his latest Spurs prospect watch, and he looks at a player named Landry Shamit. Again, Ben starting this early of looking at college prospects who are more realistic of where the Spurs will be in the draft order. You know, Probably not not in the, in the lottery, obviously, as long as they stay healthy. And Ben does a great job of kind of scouting players that he thinks would fall in the, in the late 20s where the Spurs will probably end up picking in ne- in a, the 2018 draft. Also on ProjectSpurs.com, if you want to know how the Spurs are getting um, Aldridge more involved in the offense, as as I mentioned to Tom in the X's and O's part of our conversation, I I drew a play, what what, what I'm calling the play diagram, uh, the Aldridge left elbow ISO. So it's a play that you can actually see with video, with um, play diagramming uh, through through some software that the NBA coaches use, actually. So it's over on ProjectSpurs.com. It's called Play Diagram, the Aldridge left elbow ISO. So it's something that if you just want to know how the Spurs operate their offense, this is a play to look at. Or if you play yourself with your buddies, or you have a team, you're a coach. That's a good play just to look at and implement it into your offense if you'd like to. Um, if you have a good post player like like LaMarcus, uh, please continue to send uh, your questions to hashtag SpursCast for every episode. We really enjoy those. They're great, um, different pieces of, of uh, conversation that, that kind of go beyond just what our, our normal topics are. So, so you all give us some great questions and continue to send those to hashtag SpursCast. Visit if you're on Twitter, visit at Project Spurs at at League underscore NBA at the SpursCast and at Project Spurs Network. And obviously, if you have a phone or you're online with a laptop, a tablet, etc., uh, visit ProjectSpurs.com to read all the latest work over on the site. Uh, visit analyzingthelead.com which is the NBA site I, I, I write for. And then also SpursOn6.com with the uh, Austin Spurs starting here uh, next month in November. And again, please, if you if you listen to the Spurs cast and you enjoy it on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. Uh, we'd really, not, we'd really not like to get your thoughts and opinions of how this is going. So iTunes, if you're on there, a rating and review. My name is Paul Garcia. Have a great day.